Oh, I was just I was just thinking I would love to know how many times mom had to rent these VHS tapes for us. Oh man. I I was just thinking about that yesterday and I remember the first time I saw Bill and Ted uh we watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey before we saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. For sure, yeah. Um and I remember mom renting it for us because mom and dad were in a fight <laughs> and she went to the video store and she was like fucking give me a video all right watch this which is how which is how vhs stores worked in in the in in ireland in the early 90s you just uh you just showed up and said give me a video yeah (laughs) give give me a video and a copy of uh um uh robin hood for the nintendo yeah (laughs) but uh but yeah i i you know i love that movie and 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 the concert at the end of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey will never not bring me joy. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's it's such a feel-good, like, five, six-minute scene. But, uh, yeah, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't watched those movies for a while. Um, I think the last time I saw them, we saw the, the Bill and Ted double feature at Kiggins. Yep. Uh, with, with my, with my now ex-girlfriend, uh, who had never seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> Uh, and and when we came out, uh, her her like immediate reaction was something like, "Why do you guys love trash?" Welcome back, everybody. This is the uh, Columbia River Film School podcast. Uh, we are uh, two brothers here in the Northwest in beautiful, uh, beautiful Vancouver, Washington, uh, just outside of Portland, in case you don't know that that's a real place. Um, and uh, what we do here is uh, we, we line up some unconventional double features. Uh, so, you know, rather than like a Bill and Ted double feature like we talked about earlier, we'll, uh, you know, look at uh, two movies that are similar or very different in some way, uh, but would otherwise probably never be paired together. Um, and so uh, this week, I think we have actually two really good movies. Yeah. Uh, which which we haven't done yet. Um uh, in the past, uh, the past two episodes, we've looked at two very similar movies in each episode, but, uh, you know, one of them definitely better than the other in both cases. Um, I think one of these movies this, uh, this week is better than the other, but, uh, you know, both of these are extremely strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, I would give a, a big recommendation to either of them. So, uh, this week we'll be talking about, uh, the, uh, 1988, uh, drama film Talk Radio by Oliver Stone, uh, which I had not seen before, um... And, uh, and I've seen a lot of Oliver Stone's movies, so I don't know how I missed this, uh, but, uh, we'll be looking at that, uh, and then, of course, we'll be looking at the classic 1976 American, uh, satirical drama, Network. Even if you haven't seen Network, you've surely seen clips from it. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a seminal American film. 
uh, from the 1970s, and uh, I think uh, particularly prescient in, t- in today's uh, in today's environment. Oh my uh, god! Almost, yeah, almost 50 years later. So uh, yeah, we'll be talking about those two. Uh, we've obviously paired them because uh, one of them is about uh, you know network news um, and uh, and a, a kind of a broadcaster gone mad. Um, and, uh, one of them is about, uh, talk radio, uh, as the title implies, and again, a broadcaster gone mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think they, they actually pair very nicely. Yeah, um, they do. Yeah. Uh, before we get into those, uh, get into those two movies, you want to break us off some movie news? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've got, uh, just a few stories here. Um, uh, the most recent one I heard just this afternoon, uh, Disney Plus... Uh, the Disney streaming service that uh, was released a few months ago um, has removed uh, Gone with the Wind. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. HBO Max has removed yeah. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. yeah D- Dis- Disney has not purchased HBO yet. No. Yeah, yeah it's coming. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> It'll get there. But yeah, HBO Max... Um, launched uh, a couple of weeks ago. Had a pretty great library, uh, kind of a garbage user interface, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, and today they removed Gone with the Wind because of racial concerns, uh, just kind of in you know concordance with um, everything that's going on in the country right now. They've said they're suspending it temporarily. And it will be relisted on the service, but with uh, kind of disclaimers at the front, kind of like um, the old Looney Tunes cartoons were given uh, right, yeah. uh, when they started streaming. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, it's you know, it's 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 yeah. When, when's Disney going to come out against Briar Rabbit? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I heard someone singing Zippity Doodah on a podcast the other day, and I was like, what What are you doing? Yeah, no, not now. No, please stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a uh, uh, John Ridley, uh, the guy who uh, screen wrote Twelve Years a Slave, uh, wrote an op-ed basically saying like, "Hey, you guys should take this down, given the current climate we're living through, uh, the fact that you've just launched and and, and you've got this on there, uh, and then HBO reacted real quick and, and and basically said, yeah, we'll be pulling this until we can re-add it with a statement explaining our stance on the film's prejudice and problematic portrayals of slavery. So... I thought that was pretty interesting, especially for, I mean, you know, obviously HBO has been around for decades and decades, but uh, this yeah. is their brand new streaming service. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I haven't, I haven't taken, I canceled my HBO subscription uh, a little while ago um, just because I wasn't using it. Yeah. Uh, nothing against HBO. I think they have a lot of really great content. Sure. Um, but uh, I just wasn't using it. But um, I, this is, this is a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of interesting move. Um you know, Gone with the Wind is obviously like uh, I think it's 1939, um, and the book was from a few years earlier, 1935 or 1936, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it definitely has uh, some some uh, not so great portrayals of uh, slave life in the American South. For sure, yeah. Um, there's maybe you know some problems there, but at, at the same time. Um, uh, Hattie McDaniel, uh, Hattie McDaniel, uh, who plays, you know, uh, Mammy, uh, in this movie. Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, Hattie McDaniel, I, I believe, 
got Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars in, I guess it would have been 1940. Right. And uh, was, I think, the first black person to win uh, an Oscar. Certainly the first black person to win uh, an acting Oscar, but uh, almost certainly also, because it's 1940, uh, the first person of color to win an oscar in general mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so like there's there's that right where it's like okay you're taking this movie down but like you're also uh you're, you're erasing kind of like part of film history there which is that like this movie did uh produce a seminal mo- uh, moment in in uh, in like the history of the film biz yeah uh, by one of the one of the supporting characters getting a uh, getting an Oscar out of it, um, which was kind of like a pretty huge barrier. You know, the Oscars had only been around at that time for maybe twelve years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they started in 28, 27. 10 to fifteen years go by, and uh, and you know you finally get like the the first black actor to get a uh, to get a to get an Oscar. So there's there's that piece of it. I mean, Hattie McDaniel was born in the nineteen or in the eighteen hundreds, right? So she was born in like the eighteen nineties, right? Uh, so, I mean, she, she would have grown up, um, you know, probably grandparents, uh, great uh, uncles and aunts who would have lived during the period of slavery. For sure. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I, 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 I don't know like whether or not it's the right move to take the uh, to take the movie down um, uh, kind of immediately, but if they're gonna put it back up with uh, disclaimers, then that's probably for the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I've always conflicted when it comes to stuff like this, especially uh, with Disney's catalog. Uh, same thing uh, with. Um, what is it? Uh, Song of the South. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's oh boy, <laughs> it's 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 real tough to watch. Uh, yeah. and obviously you're not gonna have a feel good screening of it these days. Uh, but it is still a part of film history, and so I don't know. I I I I recognize the fact that HBO is not saying we're blacklisting this from our service, uh, but they are just kind of suspending it until they can add. I don't know, a disclaimer to it, which, um, you know, I, I can see the sense behind that. Uh, like I said, um, you know, Warner Brothers did that with all the uh, all the old Looney Tunes cartoons that did have, like, problematic racial stuff in them. Uh, and, and, and before the uh, cartoons would start, uh, when you got the, the recent releases, whether it be on streaming or DVD or Blu-ray, uh, they, they would have a disclaimer up front saying, yeah. you know, here's the, here's the history of... Uh, racial injustice in this country and uh, we recognize that it's problematic but it's part of our history so yeah uh, you 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 kind of you kind of got to put a disclaimer i mean you know something that i had to watch repeatedly uh in 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 film school uh was um so i i had to watch birth of a nation probably three times for class right uh and i had seen it before but like it, it's just you know it just comes up in like repeatedly in film classes um yeah and I mean, it's bad. Uh, like, Absolutely, yes. Uh, it's very bad. Uh, you know, and I mean, it, it goes right down. Like there are, there are. I think there are like some. I mean, for you know, in case no one has seen uh, *Birth of a Nation*, uh, the clan are the heroes of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's that. Uh, but um, and it's basically like uh, they're 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 riding in as cavalry to save like this small southern town from um, from like being overrun by these like barbaric Union soldiers, right? Um, and uh, there, I think there are some black extras in the movie, but like anyone who has a major part in the movie that is playing a black character is in blackface. Yep. 
Um, and so it's it's like right down to the casting. They were like, well, we have black people, but uh, no, we'll just put blackface on white people if they have a major part in the movie. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, and it, it's it's real bad. But like, I'd watch Birth of a Nation a bunch of times um, uh, just because of its like uh, historical importance to film. Yeah. Um, because it, it's one of the first, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's one of the first like blockbuster type movies. Um, it's one of the first movies that's kind of uh, American movies, at least that's, that's edited in that way. Yeah. And, uh, and so you have to watch it. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, you can't just, I don't think you can get away with just putting gone with the wind away forever. Um, you know, it's, it's a seminal American drama film. Uh, you can't just forget that it ever happened. No. Um, and, but, uh, you know, same thing as like every class I took where we had to watch birth of a nation, you know, the professor just kind of says like, all right, so we're going to do it. Yeah, sorry uh, guys. <laughs> just, you know, try and hold in your outrage for 80 minutes. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's like that. I think you can, uh, I think you can, you could, and you should watch movies like gone with the wind, but, uh, you should be aware that, uh, you know, that the, these movies have problems. Um, and, uh, and, and acknowledge what those problems are, uh, instead of just pretending that it's just a, uh, you know, it's just a good movie from the thirties. The yeah, no, absolutely. Like, uh, given current context, current dark timeline we live in and what this country has gone through in the last, you know, 50 to 70 years, I think those are very important films to have around and, and to watch and to realize, like, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what was going on when this film came out. Uh, Birth of a Nation, yeah. yeah. Um, the first Birth block- of a Nation came out in in 1915. Um, uh, when the right. uh, and, and like there there was a big resurgence of the Klan, uh, like not long after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Right, like the, uh, the the Klan had been kind of largely stamped out um, uh, until about the 1910s, 1920s. Uh, and then they made a big comeback, right? And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were people who saw this movie in 1915, 1916 and, like, went out to, uh, you know, go see what the Klan was all about. Right. Because they, they they looked like the good guys. And, I mean, I think you can relate that to, uh, I mean, pretty recent history uh, because when Justice League came out, uh, we had a resurgence in um, Release the Snyder Cut fanboys. And um, I think those guys, Same. those guys are basically the clan too. Yeah, that, that's the yeah. I mean, you know, there's probably a pretty considerable overlap in that Venn diagram, <laughs> or at least they post on Gab or 4chan. Yeah, Snyder, Snyder cut people are definitely clan adjacent. <laughs> uh, they are in my book. Yeah, so HBO Max is going to put up the Snyder cut, but they're going to take down Gone with the Wind. What is this? Come on. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, other movie news. What else we got? Uh, what else do we have? So uh, Comic Con is canceled this year. Uh, first time in its history that San Diego Comic Con has been canceled. Com- Comic Con will make a comeback, I think. Uh, Chris Chris mentioned the other day that um, <clears throat> E three was supposed to be this week, right? Uh, and I think E three is done. Uh, they've, they've been struggling for years. Um, and I don't think that, uh, I don't think that they can draw people, um, mm-hmm. uh, after this. Uh, but I, I think Comic-Con will come back. I, I, I think so too. I don't think Comic-Con is going anywhere. Um, but th- they are introducing this week, uh, plans for Comic-Con at Symbol Home. 
Um, so basically, you're you're gonna have all the exhibit hall stuff that the uh, major uh, film, TV, and you know some comic book companies and media companies would have put together in in their big uh, hall expo- exhibitions. Uh, but now you'll be able to tune into that from your computer, your TV, whatever. Yeah. Uh, which I think is very cool because uh, I, I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. I've been, I've been to plenty of comic conventions, but San Diego Comic-Con is kind of, you know, the big one. Um, and I've never wanted to deal with uh, the price of going to it uh, or the crowds. Um and, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine what it costs. Like, even if you're able to get a ticket at yeah. this point, um, you know, you gotta you gotta fly to San Diego, yeah, uh, and you gotta get a hotel in San Diego on Comic Con weekend, yeah, and you have to plan Comic-Con that week. like at the very least a year and a half in advance, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, stuff like the Hall H exhibitions that you know they they always have the huge announcements, the big trailers, all that stuff. You never really get to see that. If you're not at the con, you've, you know. Yeah, I, I'm always I'm always watching like you know leaks on Fortune. Yeah, right. You see you, you cell phone video stuff like that, uh, and then you know a couple of weeks later, whatever, you'll get to see the trailer. Um, but it, it sounds like this year um, you'll you'll be able to attend from your couch uh, and be involved in in the virtual activities. Um, Right, which is really, like, a lot of the video game conferences have been doing this for a while now, right? Where they put all their big keynotes and announcements and shit, they just, like, stream them, yeah, right? Yeah, which, which um, I, I, I love. I love being able to yeah. watch that stuff live. Um, yeah, and so, you know, I, I, th- I, think it'll, I think it'll be fine for San Diego. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's probably a lot of... Uh, Probably a lot of companies that are real nervous they're not going to get uh, that big uh, San Diego Comic-Con, like, hype bump. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only other story I have real quick. Uh, after 32 seasons, Cops has been canceled. Saw that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know Cops was still on the air. It was still on the air at the Paramount Network, which I think is a streaming service. Who, who the fuck is paying for that? I, I don't fucking know, man. I mean, like... Because they were on what... Fox for decades. Even when I was a kid, I just thought all of the cops episodes were reruns. No. I didn't know that shit was still on. It's still going. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They canceled cops. Probably a good idea. I, uh, I, I think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but where am I going to see all my juicy domestic disputes now? Uh, I don't know. You can you can watch uh, Campus Cops on the Fuse. Ne- oh no, that was canceled too. Yeah, I'll just go hang out at some apartments in East Vancouver. <laughs> But yeah, that's all I got for movie and TV news. Uh, kind of a, a quiet week, but uh, some big stuff did happen. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, the the only other thing is, of course, the Bill and Ted trailer. Yeah. Uh, on June 9th, 6-9, Bill and Ted yeah, Day. Yeah, 6-9, Bill and Ted Day. We got it. We finally got the Bill and Ted trailer. It's really happening. Uh, they've they've clearly shot footage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Principal, Principal photography is wrapped. They have yeah. confirmed that. But yeah, this movie is, they've been trying to make it for over a decade. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I you know, uh, I think, you know, I think a lot of people uh, don't know this. Um, you know, whenever I would see people talking about Bill and Ted 3 for, for a long time, they would be like, uh, oh, you, you know, 
Alex Winter is just trying to get Bill and Ted 3 made because he's not as famous as Keanu is, uh, or, like, all this kind of shit. Right. Um, and, and it's, I think what people don't understand is that, like, yeah, Keanu is certainly more famous than Alex Winter is, but uh, Alex Winter is, like, a, a noted documentarian, right? Yeah. Like, he's not, he's not, like, an unsuccessful dude. No, absolutely not. He has been busy since he dropped out of acting. Yeah, and he, I mean, he, I think he, he, uh, I think he did stage acting for a while after yeah. uh, after Bill and Ted, because um, he's British, right? Oh, um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was born over there, uh, but I think I think he spent most of his life in the states. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, yeah. I mean, so you know, he's 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 done a lot of theater. Um, he just like didn't do screen acting really, right? Like he's been in some stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was in Lo- he was in Lost Boys, right? But that was before Bill and Ted, right? Um, but uh yeah i mean so he he made some um some documentaries that i really liked so uh he made he made a documentary called downloaded mm-hmm. uh have you seen that yeah about the uh the uh the, the, the napster saga yeah yeah uh that's very good it's really um good, yeah. and uh i i you know any anyone who wasn't there for i mean or if you were there especially but anyone who wasn't there for the the kind of birth and death of napster um you got to go see that because because it's like uh i i don't think that people readily understand um, I, I think that Napster is probably the, like, top five most impactful technology products of mm-hmm. the last 20 years. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. Or, or, or 25 years, I guess, at this point. Um, you know, people would point to things like Facebook and, and, like, the iPod and shit like that. But, like, there is no iPod without Napster. No. Uh, because Napster so unmade uh, the, the entirety of the music business in such a short period of time... It just annihilated the music industry that, uh, you know, when when Steve Jobs comes out a few years later and says, we're going to do this thing called iTunes uh, and we're going to release a product called the iPod uh, and changes the way that people kind of listen to music. That was all built on the back of Napster. Right. Um, and uh, so you should watch Downloaded. Uh, it's a 2012 documentary. Uh, Alex Winter made it. Um, uh, and I think he also I think he wrote it. He directed it. He produced yeah. it. Like yeah. a, it was know. it was his baby. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he also did a good one um, uh, in 2015 uh, called Deep Web. Yeah, about the the uh, Silk Road. Yeah, about uh, about Dread Pirate Roberts, yep. uh, the the uh, the Silk Road uh, the Silk Road frame job. It was a fascinating uh, documentary. It's so good. Fr- free Dread Pirate Roberts, I say. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's a good one too. So like Alex Winter, I, I think people just don't know anything about him, and so they've assumed for years that Bill and Ted Three was like a like a cash grab product uh, project or something for him. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we finally got it. I mean, you know, Keanu, uh, said that he wanted to do it and, um, that's, you know, that's uh, the thing. And I, I think it's, it's, it's important to, to bounce that off, uh, the perception that Alex winter was trying to, you know, make a cash grab is like, Keanu, Keanu Reeves has been vocal about this for just as many years yeah, and uh, so have the uh, the original writers uh, Ed Solomon and um, Chris Matheson. Chris Matheson, yeah, yeah. So the four of them have been trying to get this off the ground for like almost a decade, including Keanu, who has never, you know, he's he's never shied away from his history with Bill and Ted, and he's never been embarrassed about saying like, yeah, we're trying to do this, but we've been trying to get the right script, we've been trying to get funding. I think they spent the last like three or four years trying to get a studio to pay for this. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah it's uh, on 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 the on the on the note of Chris Chris Matheson. Um, do you know what other uh, like uh, you know 
fun fun little movie that ends in a concert that Chris Matheson is responsible for. Oh boy, what? A goofy movie. I was just thinking about a goofy movie today. <laughs> Chris Matheson is one of the screenwriters for a goofy movie. Holy shit. Yeah. I was uh, uh, I, I, I was just thinking about that uh, that opening scene today where like Max is on the bus and he's singing that song like, today's going to be the day or whatever. Yeah. A yeah. goofy movie rules, man. Goofy movie is great. Yeah. And that, and that, uh, uh, that, um, that girl dog is pretty hot. Uh, nope. Not doing that. No? Okay. All uh-uh. right. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're not a lot, look, I mean, I, you know, you can be horny for girl dogs if, or, you know, like, uh, girl dogs if you want, but, uh, she's a teenager. That's the, you know, that's not acceptable. All right, but she's in her senior year of high school, so, I mean, I knew seniors that were night. never mind, we're not having this conversation. Yeah, I knew seniors who were 20, you know? Sure, so, you know, super seniors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to the Columbia River High School. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for letting s***ers graduate. <laughs> Actual guy's name. Just, totally wild. Just get rid of the guy. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the rule, I believe, was they just had to be out by the time they were 21. Exactly, yeah, because then they could buy people beer. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, so, I mean, they finally get they finally got the movie made. Uh, principal photography, I guess, is done. Um, yeah. We, we got a, we got a, a full-length trailer. Yeah, um, well, yeah, teaser trailer. It's like forty yeah. seconds, you know. You, yeah, but I mean, you know, the, the the bar for trailers has has Christ gotten so my, low, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's it's like you know, new Star Wars teaser, and it's fifteen seconds long, yeah. right? Like, yeah, or like <laughs> a trailer for this trailer we're going to show on Entertainment yeah. Weekly tomorrow night. Yeah, but I mean, this is you know, this is uh, a minute and a half or something like that, and uh, there is you know, the the, the basic uh, the basic plot seems to be there. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I think we, we know what we're getting, which is, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill and Ted, uh, are, are now, uh, middle-aged men. Yeah. Um, who have, who have failed to unite the world in peace through their music. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it looks like maybe they've been summoned to the future to explain themselves. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so they've got to, they've got to go figure out how to, how to write, uh, how to write the greatest song ever written. Uh, or or something of that nature, uh, but their plan is seemingly to go steal it from themselves in the future rather than actually doing the work. Right. Which, uh, yeah, classic Bill and Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, Why don't we just use our time machine? Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, when you, what you first said was basically given in all the interviews. Like, yeah, they. Uh, never got around to writing that song and uh now they have to do it to save the universe but uh uh it, it, it was never given out that uh you know they were going to time travel to the future to kind of steal it from their future selves um there is some other cool stuff in that trailer uh you'll get a blink and you miss it shot um of william sadler back as death the grim reaper which i'm, I'm so excited to see him back again yeah, um, very cool that he's back. Yeah, and I, I I read an interview with him. Apparently, he's taken up the violin. And I spent about an hour going through this trailer yesterday. And if you like freeze frame, um, six seconds, six or seven seconds into the trailer, there's a shot of Bill and Ted on stage. Uh, there's some like unknown figure on the left, but on the right in the background, you can see Death playing an electric violin. Hell yeah. And I'm, like, very <laughs> stoked about that. Uh, and also you have Bill and Ted's uh, two daughters who um, we were introduced to at the end of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, 
uh, little Bill and little Ted, uh, Billy and Thea are their names. Yeah. These fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, apparently, yeah, they're going to be in there as supporting roles. Um, uh, Samara Weaving plays uh, Lil Bill, who uh, I, I love her. I, she's one of my favorite yeah, she's new actresses. She's she's so good. Uh, yeah, there was some uh, 4chan violence uh, or 4chan type violence regarding this. Oh, I'm uh, sure there was. Because people were like, what? There's women. Women in my Bill and Ted? Yeah. Was, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, do, do, do we forget about the princesses and uh, Missy yeah. and yeah, just just enjoy a movie for once, you fucking cretins! Christ's sake, I um, I will say there is a third pair of actresses playing the princesses again. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it's it's weird that they have different actresses playing those two characters in each movie, but you know it is. Yeah, what it is. I mean I I don't even remember that they're different actresses in the first two movies. No, so. of course not. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, first of all, their role in the first movie is is so small that, like, uh, you know, their their role in the second movie is obviously much larger. Um, yeah, but like, but still their, their not role huge. In the first movie is yeah, <laughs> it, it's so small that like you you know you, you you could be forgiven for not noticing. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. I mean, you know, I'm 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 excited for this movie. I hope uh, I hope they make it cheap. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I assume if they've been shopping for funding for this long, it's going to have to be. I think so. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I just uh, I hope I hope they make it cheap so that it can uh, it can make its budget um, make its budget back at the box office because you know who the fuck knows what that's gonna look like um, and when it when it comes out I guess next year probably no it's coming um, out this summer oh Jesus Christ what I thought it was <laughs> no dude yeah summer twenty twenty uh, there, oh, there there is no guarantee it's going to make it into theaters uh, and and the uh, the filmmakers have said <laughs> as such. Uh, on Twitter, this this may go straight to streaming like everything has in the last couple of months. Uh, but well, I think, I, well, I mean, if there was a if there was a movie to reopen theaters with, uh, you know, put 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 Tenet on hold. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> and let's reopen it with uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah, put this up against Chris Nolan. See what happens. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> Just get annihilated. Cool. People are like, well, I can only go to the movie theater once so that I don't die. Uh, should I see Bill and Ted face the music or Tenet? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I hope that's not a decision people have to make. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can see this going to the streaming services. They're shooting for an August release, I believe, uh, like late July, early August. So we'll, we'll see what's even happening with theaters at that point. I, uh, this is uh, slightly related. I, I, ha- I was on a conference call at my last job with a, a school in uh, San Dimas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entire time, I was just like gripping the table in the <laughs> conference room. Uh, just, just like trying not to say San Dimas High School football rules. <laughs> Oh. When, it, when it was when it was over, uh, one of the one of the sales guys I was in the room with was just like uh, was just like, "Are you okay? <laughs> Were you having a heart attack?" It's <laughs> just like just like sweating, like don't say it. <laughs> uh, and then I explained it to him, and he was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> oh God! Like, God damn it! Uh, yeah. So uh, Bill and Ted's coming, which is exciting. Yes, very excited. Uh, it's uh, been one of my most anticipated movies for years and years now. <laughs> for uh, for half of your life. Yep, I I'm so excited. It's finally happening. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, uh, so that's the news. I don't think there's anything else really. That's all I got. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, why don't we uh, why don't we move into uh, into the into the picture shows here? Um, yeah. Do you want to? Uh, why don't we start with uh, with Network? Uh, let's start with the older film here. Um, sure. So you had, you had never seen Network before, right? Uh, I had not. No. So I'll let, I'll let you take the lead on this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, and and I'll be curious to hear like uh, you, you know, your your general synopsis of this. But uh, Network is a is a like 1976. Um, uh, I, I think most people would watch this and think that it is a drama, but this is like pretty heavy satire. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's like a satirical drama movie, um, and uh, it's basically about uh, like a, a a network broadcaster, a, a, like a TV newsman. Uh, who kind of like goes unhinged uh, and says that like uh, he's he's going to kill himself on air. What what ends up happening is that like the ratings go through the roof, of course. Uh, and uh, and so you know they they just kind of like letting him letting him rip and run. Um, then there's like a, like a you know you know movie version of the Symbionese Liberation Army is there. Like <laughs> the people the people who abducted Patty Hearst, right? Uh, they're there. Yeah. Um, and, and don't they uh, actually? They, it is the people that abducted Patty Hearst in that movie, right? Uh, I I I, I think know. she I mean, is named. She is name dropped. The, uh, the I, I, I don't ec- think they call them the Symbionese uh, Liberation Army. No, they're called the Ecumenical Liberation Army. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and so, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, this this movie is maybe famous for um, uh, a, a particular scene uh, where uh, where where Peter Finch. Uh, kind of drops a a like um uh, he's playing character howard beale uh and uh, howard beale kind of gives this like you know extended screed on on his news show after he shows up like in his pajamas um after getting like you know drenched in the rain on the way to the news studio uh he gives this like screed about like uh how how everybody is like attached to their tvs and like they're all being lied to and uh you know, like everyone's being brainwashed and all this kind of thing, and and he kind of ends it with this uh, this this famous phrase, which is "I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore." I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! 
Yeah. Um, Which I think is one of like our earlier memes. You know, yeah, like uh, that's, yeah, that's, been that's, around that's been around since forever. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, movie is particularly well known for that. I mean, like, you know, if you go search network on, on YouTube, you'll probably get that clip, like, you know, yeah. probably pretty much immediately. Uh, so very famous scene. Uh, the movie, um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the, the movie was directed by Sidney Lumet. Sidney LeMay? Sidney Lumet? Um, well, I don't know. I can't remember how it's pronounced. But uh, Sidney Lumet uh, directed this movie um, and... I, I, I would expect that a lot of modern movie fans have no idea who this director is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just has a laundry list of absolute bangers uh, in his in his filmography. Um, so 12 Angry Men uh, he did, which uh, I think if you've seen 12 Angry Men, like that definitely comes across a network. Um, these kind of like closed room dramas. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, he made uh, a movie I really love that I think a lot of people probably haven't seen called The Pawnbroker. I've uh, uh, not seen that, no. Yeah, The Pawnbroker, 1964, extremely good. Um, the Pawnbroker is a it's a movie about a, a pawnbroker. Oh. Um, so it's it's a guy who guy who runs a pawn shop, um, and uh, I think in New York. Uh, but it, it kind of slowly comes out over the course of the movie that he's a uh, he's a like concentration camp survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the character is this like just miserable, shitty person, um, and you, you know you're 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 not really supposed to like him, but like it comes out over the course of the movie that like he just has all of this kind of like undealt with trauma uh, from the Holocaust, right? Uh, that he's he's trying to kind of cover up by trying to like live a like normal American life, um, and he, he just can't do it, right? Um, so very good movie. Uh, if if you're interested in Holocaust movies, you got to go see The Pawnbroker. Uh, because it's not like, you know, it, it, because it doesn't take place in a concentration camp, I think a lot of people just miss it. Yeah. Um, but uh, extremely good movie about uh, kind of the after effects of the Holocaust that a lot of people miss. Uh, so Sidney Lumet made that. Um, uh, he made Serpico. Yeah. Uh, Serpico, great fucking Al Pacino uh, cop movie. Um, you know, uh, I, I think we're probably in a in a weird period for cop movies right now. <laughs> right. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> But also Dog Day Afternoon, yeah, which is kind of the, uh, but yeah, the Dog Day Afternoon, which is yeah. is is what I what I wanted to get to here. Uh, he also made The Wiz, but I'm not going to talk about that. Sure. Um, uh, but he made uh, Dog Day Afternoon, and I think Dog Day Afternoon and and Network are uh, are kind of very similar movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where you have this kind of just like unhinged central character, uh, and it's just like this you know constant like ramping of tension throughout the movie. Yeah. Um. Uh, about like you know uh, in, in in network it's like okay is is Howard Beale gonna shoot himself or kill himself right mm-hmm. like uh, is he actually gonna kill himself on air uh, spoiler alert he does die uh, but uh, but he doesn't you know kill himself yeah on air. not in the way you would think <laughs> uh, yeah not in the way you would think um, uh, and then you know with Dog Day Afternoon it's it's kind of like. Uh, you know, is 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 Al Pacino actually gonna get away with this right uh, the whole time. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, something different about these two movies, um, uh, Network was was kind of shot uh, as a. I mean, Network has like you know I, I'm sure this is probably one of Aaron Sorkin's favorite movies. Yeah. Um, well, it was written by uh, uh, Patty Chesky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I'm sure that Aaron Sorkin loves this fucking movie, um, and For it's sure. because it's 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 basically like a stage play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, what I read is that it's it's it was actually uh, it was they did rehearsal, uh, which I think a lot of people just assume that movies have rehearsal, right? Um, uh, but a, a lot of movies don't do significant rehearsals, right? Like they might rehearse a few scenes, they might do a table read or something like that, but it's not common to actually do big rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so with this movie, they did a, a significant amount of rehearsal, um, which I've heard actors like movie actors don't like. <laughs> Um, they just prefer to like learn their lines learn their and show lines up and, do and then them. come in. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. Uh, but this movie, this movie was was done very much like a stage play in that it was like no improv. Uh, like learn your lines. We're gonna do rehearsal. Show up to rehearsal. Like even the bit players have to do rehearsal. Um, and, and then it was shot like as a uh, as a um, uh, kind of like a stage play. I I I think that the like the big Howard Beale speech scene mm-hmm. um, is is two takes. Oh, wow. Uh, so, like, uh, he, he did... Uh, Peter Finch's health was deteriorating at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, I think there's only two takes because he was having trouble getting through it on one, right? So, like, this was very much shot like a uh, like a, like a stage play. Uh, whereas Dog Day Afternoon, which I think was um, uh, Sidney Lumet's movie immediately before this. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon is, like, 74 or 75. Yeah. Um, Dog Day Afternoon did have a lot of, like, improv on set and things like that, and, like, they kept a lot of that stuff into the movie. So, mm-hmm. a little bit different, but, um, I, I think that the two movies are kind of very similar, which is they're both largely about, uh, you know, the kind of, like, tension in society in the, in the mid-70s, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and how that plays out with a, a character who's just kind of had enough. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's kind of the basics on network. Uh, I don't know. You, it was your first time seeing it. What are your thoughts? It was my first time seeing it. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, the only thing I was familiar with was that uh, you know, uh, it, meme of a uh, uh, um, of a line. Not even the whole scene. The, the yeah, only you've th- got to get mad, Pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the only thing I knew from this movie was you know I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And we've seen that parodied and uh, ad libbed and 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 inserted into so many things over you know, the last 30, almost 40 years. Uh, and I always knew it was related to, or from network, but I just, I, I don't know. I never bothered to see the fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, but um, I was so surprised that this wasn't kind of a stuffy newsroom drama. Um, no, not at all. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a wild, it's a wild satire and I think the last maybe 15, 20 minutes verge on surreal. Yeah. Um, you have... And there, there's, some, there's, like, some, some pretty surreal shots in the... Like, especially uh, the shot of, uh, like, Howard Beale's dead body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Is like, this, you know, weird... Like, there's all these weird shadows. It's, like, an Impressionist movie from the 1920s. It's, like, a like a Murnau movie or something like that. Yeah. And, and you, you, you... I mean, that shot in particular where you have the camera kind of... I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of, like, swinging back and forth over his body... Yeah, um, like uh, 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 like something out of the pit, the pendulum. Yeah, uh, and and then um, you know the fact that he he doesn't end up shooting himself on live TV, but he ends up being assassinated by this by, by, like, the, by the Symbionese Liberation Army. Yeah, by this Liberation Army that uh, the producer, the the uh, the female producer uh, played by Faye Dunaway, uh, basically hires them. To kill him for the yeah. sake of ratings, uh, and 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 um, 
then the network is bought by like a Saudi conglomerate. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it's so I wonder, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you know, that, that's the thing about this movie, right? Like, this is this is 1976. Yeah, um, this is this is before uh, cable news, right? Um, so, you know, uh, CNN launched in, like, uh, 1988, maybe? 1990? Yeah, maybe, like, um, 10 years after this. Yeah, um, and, uh, so, you know, there is no cable news, right? I mean, there's not cable, uh, first of all. No right? cable, like, but, and there's uh, no, like, 24-hour news network. Doesn't exist, right? No. You, you get your news from, from, uh, like, Dan Rather and shit, Yeah, right? there's, like, like, a uh, block of time in the evening you'll get your, your, your yeah. national news, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so this this movie is kind of uh, is kind of predicting the like fall of news, uh, which is that like it starts to become about ratings and not about the news. Yeah. Um, and you know that's that's very much what you know that's why Fox News is the way it is, right? Like uh, we 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 have some relatives who watched a lot of Fox News uh, yeah. when we were <laughs> when we were kids, um, and so I've seen a shitload of Fox News. I I remember Fox News even in like the mid two thousands, early two thousands, mid two thousands, not being the way it is now, where like. Uh, you know, it was. It definitely had like a right wing slant, of course, uh, yeah, early on. But now it's just like it's it's like pure reactionary shit, yeah, right? It's like it's just... it's Sean Hannity with his Punisher lapel pin, like <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and like Sean Hannity was on Fox in the early two thousands, and he never would have gotten away with that shit back then. Um, but they realized that the thing that was getting them ratings was just like reactionary right wing guys, of course, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just unhinged bullshit. Uh... Yeah, I I don't think we want to go into politics too much, but I, I you know, Tucker Carlson the other night. Um, that's, that's, what, that's what my other podcast. Is for. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but Tucker Carlson the other night had a go at Elmo. Uh, so. <laughs> Tucker, what are you doing? Tucker's real upset that Elmo is on CNN talking about racism. God damn it, Elmo the Red <laughs> Puppet. So yeah, yeah, not not a not a guy he knows named Elmo, no, right? Like no. just the fucking Sesame Street puppet. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Which is which is really stupid because it's like, have you ever seen an episode of Sesame Street? Like Right. Sesame Street has always been one of the most inclusive television shows on TV, yeah. right? Like, you know, and, and, and some would say that Rupert Murdoch has his hand up uh Tucker Carlson's ass. So uh, yeah, hey. fuck it. But, yeah, there you go. Uh but uh but yeah, so I, I think network is kind of predicting the kind of fall of news, uh and news turning into entertainment rather than like, you know, actually giving the news. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, uh, they're, they're real early on it, right? Like 1976 is pretty early to have that. Um, Christ. Yeah. No, I was watching it and I was just like, this, this is so prescient, like perfect time to watch this movie and the next movie we're going to talk about, I think. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, network, especially, uh, it, 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 it captures what, um, the news cycle was going to turn into, uh, what, um, news personalities as celebrities was going yeah. to become uh where you wouldn't just have a man who's going to be there every night to give you the news but like this man was going to make a spectacle of himself and uh be- become a national celebrity which i think is antithetical to you know uh the 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 um to journalism really uh um, yeah. but yeah that that's what this kind of played out as satire and then not, I don't know, 10, 20 years after this movie came out, 
that's the norm. Yeah, I mean, I think about you know like uh, uh, modern modern news modern newscasters, uh, people like Chris Hayes. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I, I I like Chris Hayes. I think he's one of the better ones. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, and, and like a, a good a good Bronx born boy. Um, sure. Good good working class Bronx boy. Uh, but uh, like you know, why is Chris Hayes on fucking Jimmy Kimmel? Like what what is what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why, why is why is the newsman who has his own television show like doing the late night circuit, right? right. And like and like cracking jokes about Donald Trump, yeah, right? Like yeah. why why is that happening? Um, or or like uh, you know uh, why why are people asking Brian Williams if he's comfortable with his daughter's ass getting eaten out on HBO, right? Like what? You've never seen Girls, I take it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was his daughter? Allison Williams, yeah. Oh, Allison Williams is Brian Williams' daughter. Okay, I did, yeah. Not, 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 not Lena Dunham, uh, just for the record. Right, right, yeah, no. I, I, I uh, but yeah, <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I mean, those words were not explicitly said, but I, I, some, you know, people would ask him, like, how do you feel about your daughter doing this, like, risque show on HBO? Uh, and it's like, who cares? Right. It's, it's Brian Williams' job to do the fucking news. <laughs> Just look at Brian Williams's Tinder profile, and does it say "I eat ass" or not? Yeah, where where did where did she get it from? Is is where we what we really need to know. We don't um, need a whole interview. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, it's just you know the 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 transformation of news newsmen and newswomen into uh, into like multimedia celebrities is 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 a thing that uh, that kind of started to happen in the in the in the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. um, and and now it's just kind of like you know. It is what and it is, yeah. Fucking Rachel Maddow subtweeting people on Twitter, right? And it's like, what is this about? Right, and Anderson Cooper's my daddy. Yeah, and people getting real horny for Anderson. He is a silver fox. He is. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. You can't... But also, Gloria Vanderbilt's son, so there's that too, right? So Jesus Christ. Did you not know that? No, I did not. You know what else I didn't know until, like... Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the heir to the fucking Vanderbilt fortune. Damn, Anderson. Oh, man, I wish he was my daddy. Uh, he has some wild fucking stories about glo- growing up with Gloria Vanderbilt as his mom. I bet he does. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so like it's you know this movie kind of predicts that that change of like news into spectacle and newsmen into uh, celebrities, um, and uh, gets it real fucking early, uh, and it's very prescient now. Yeah, um, where you know everyone everyone has an opinion. Um, and including the newsmen, who at the time this movie was made, you didn't you didn't turn the news on for opinions. No, um, yeah, it was just you turned on the news to find out like if Robert F. Kennedy was dead, right? right? Like, uh, yeah, so a very very prescient film. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend everyone go watch this movie. Um, oh, for sure. I can't believe it took me so long to watch this movie. Yeah, or or just follow me on Twitter because I will certainly like drop the drop the clip of Howard Beale giving his speech at like four o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, those are, those are, those are my radicalization hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Bill's uh, a good, yeah. Bill is a good Twitter follow. Uh, I, I rarely see his tweets, uh, because I'm not up at two to four in the morning, but. Yeah, it's, uh, if you if go you're, back you're on to British, his timeline. Yeah. If, if you're on British time, uh, you know, you're, w- you're waking up in the morning and there's just a, just a series of tweets that are like, just like, Vegeta's a better dad than Goku, followed by like, does everyone remember how hard this Libertines album slaps? Uh, followed by like uh, like a, a fifteen tweet screed about like medical insurance. <laughs> yeah, that 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 about sums your timeline. Up. Yeah. <laughs> um, or just like an like an all caps misfits lyric. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, One other thing I'll say about watching this movie is it was kind of a delight to not know anything about it except for that one, you know, famous scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, because, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of quieter scenes in this movie that are not, like, clippable, really, right? There's there's a lot of shit going on in this movie. There, I mean, stuff, yeah. stuff we... we there's, like, there's, like, that whole scene with, like, at dinner with Faye Dunaway, like, yeah. um... Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, there, it's, it's there, pretty there, easy I, to have not seen much of this movie. No, I mean, there are, like, several stories going on within it. Um, but the whole time, I was waiting for this scene where a man, like, a businessman... Uh, walks up to the window in like a high rise and opens the window and jumps out of it because I thought okay. that was in network. Uh, <laughs> and apparently it's no, that's, not. Uh, that's that's Watchmen. Uh, you've you've gotten them mixed up. Yeah. No. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I just I've I've seen a gif of that over and over again. I was like, oh how, yeah. Well, that's in network. How, the, the man's mad as hell and he's going to walk out a window. Yeah. How, Howard Howard Beale was killed when Ozzy Amandius <laughs> threw him out of his uh, his high rise window. <laughs> No, I don't. Uh, I, I I don't know what movie this is from, but it's something from the seventies or eighties, and it's like this. A, this a, is going to be like uh, like our our thing with um, uh, my girl. Is it? Uh, is it my girl? It is my we're, girl. We're, where yeah, Macaulay Culkin's character got AIDS and then yeah, he died like at at Chris at Christmas one year. We were just like, yeah, my girl. It's that movie where Macaulay Culkin gets AIDS. Yeah. And everyone was just like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" It's like, no, he they he did the Blood Brothers thing with that girl, and when one blood touches another blood, you get AIDS, and then he died. Yeah, uh, that's no. what happened. He was just allergic to bees, apparently, and we didn't have a clear understanding of how AIDS worked. Yeah, no, whomst among us, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's network. Uh, yeah, so I, I just you know before before we move on to uh, before we move on to talk radio, uh, I just this this is this is a movie that uh, um, star cast uh, in this movie, right? So like um, uh, you got so you got Faye Dunaway, yeah. you've got William Holden, Peter Finch, Robert Duvall, Ned Beatty, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is just real star cast shit. Um, so like this this movie the the acting is incredible. Uh, I think that uh, fucking uh, Sidney Lumet is a really good actor's director. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and he he's clearly like he's got you know kind of if it's the middle of the seventies and you've got all these just like you know heavy hitters on the roster, he gets just really great in performances out of all of these people. Right. Um. So you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. Go go watch Network. Uh. And uh, try not to get too depressed. Uh, about about the state of the world after watching Network. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, it is available on pretty much every streaming platform for like three bucks. Uh, so yeah, no no excuse yeah. not to watch it. Yeah, it's a very good well one. worth your time. Um, uh, but uh, so uh, slightly different um, slightly different general demeanor of the other movie we watched. Uh, but but kind of very similar uh, very similar um, tone I think uh, so we watched a movie called Talk Radio um, by Oliver Stone 1988 mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which I had never seen and uh, you wanna you wanna tell us about Talk Radio sure yeah um, I th- I'm certain I found Talk Radio in the cult classic section of Hollywood Video uh, back when I was a teenager uh, and I was a huge fan of um, overnight talk radio, like on, on the actual radio, uh, when I was a kid, and st- st- still am to this day. Um, and so finding a film that 
was basically a one-act play about an overnight talk radio DJ. Uh, really scratched an itch that I didn't know I had. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a, a, a film by Oliver Stone. Uh, it is. It was first a stage play, um, and it was written um, and acted by Eric Bogosian. I, I hope I'm yeah. pronouncing that right. Um, but, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was first a stage play, um, written and starring Eric Bogosian, uh, based on a book called, uh, Talked to Death, uh, based on the real life assassination of, assassination slash murder of a, a, a radio host named Alan Berg. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're like three adaptations deep here. Yeah. And, um, this... I think the reason it pairs so well with Network is it's very clearly uh, based on a stage play. Uh, it, yeah. it, it takes place almost entirely in this radio studio, almost entirely on the same set, except for some cutaways. And all of the cutaways are like flashbacks, basically. Yeah. It's it's basically about this uh, radio host. Uh, he's he's a, a, a Jewish radio personality who was formerly a suit salesman, kind of like a, a men's warehouse. And yeah. uh, this is a very Don Draper story. Uh, I'll, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you've seen Mad. I haven't. Met, I haven't seen Mad Men. So I'll take your word yeah, for uh, it. Yeah. No. Uh, D- Don Draper. <laughs> Don Draper uh, talks himself into his advertising job when uh, when uh, Roger Sterling comes into his fur shop where he sells furs. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's almost exactly what happens here. Is is this guy um, uh, Barry Champlain is his name uh, sells one of his favorite uh, DJs a suit. And the DJ is so impressed with him and his voice that he says, uh, hey, you know, if you ever want to come in and do a guest spot on my show or call in, you're welcome to. And he kind of works his his way up from there um, and kind of overtakes this DJ and gets his own spot on the radio, gets his own talk show, uh, and eventually becomes this acerbic uh, talk radio DJ who... Uh, I I think he's probably uh, best compared to like a, a, a mix of Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, and and actually like uh, the the Howard Stern because I almost recommended that we watch Private Parts. Right. Yeah. Um, and then and I hadn't seen talk radio, uh, and so like there's the scene, um, the the like flashback. The flashback scenes where he's he's like at the where he's the suit salesman and and like his early radio stuff. He looks like fucking Howard Stern. He looks exactly <laughs> like Howard Stern. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was like, oh shit, maybe I should have recommended Private Parts. Uh, but but I mean, he's a little bit of a shock jock as well, right? Like, he is. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So what what kind of what kind of show does Barry Champlain run? So it's it's an overnight talk show. It's a late night talk show, uh, and he just takes calls, and um, his shtick is basically either either talking shit or placating his listeners uh yeah. in, in a very sarcastic fashion uh he's he's a he's a douchebag and oh he's a total douchebag i mean he's like a huge uh, douchebag, like ir- yeah. irredeemable douchebag probably yeah uh and and i you know i watched this a lot when i was younger um 
and I don't think I realized like how despicable he was. Uh, yeah. And then I haven't watched it in maybe five six years. Uh, so when I watched it the other day, I was like, wow. He's not a great guy, and he's not a likable character at all. And no, he's just shitty to everyone around him. He's like extremely high strung. Yeah, uh, and like even even if he means well, like uh, he just comes off as like abrasive and abusive to everyone around him, unless he's like trying to impress someone. Yeah, right. Uh, so like we we see the stuff. Uh, I, I think the reason they show the stuff in the suit shop early on is because he's 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 a salesman and he's like flattering these people, right? Right. Um, and and that's like in sharp juxtaposition to uh, everything we've seen of him, like in his radio studio, where he's just like an absolute douchebag to everybody. Yeah, just goes on tirades uh, <laughs> against these people, and and I think it's it's. It's interesting to watch because most of the time when he does go on these uh, tirades, like, the listeners who are calling in and talking to him just kind of laugh along with it. And they're like, oh, ha ha ha, Barry. Uh, you know, of course he would say that. Uh, like, they, 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 you know, they, they, they love it. And uh, that's why they're listening. That's why they're calling in. Um, they think they have this relationship with this guy, which... I mean, if you want, if if you want to get into the nitty gritty, I think that's like a big part of overnight talk radio. Uh, is especially like, I don't, you know, years ago I was having like uh, issues with insomnia, and so I would just listen to various radio shows from around the country um, into the wee hours of the night, and you would get these people calling in, and it's clear that they thought these people were their friends. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and, and then Barry Champlain... They, they, have, they have, like, repeat callers. Yes, yes, yes. There are a number of repeat callers. Um, there are a few actors in, an, uh, in this film that played different roles of different callers. Uh, but, yeah, you get a bunch of repeat callers, regular callers. Um, you know, they call in, and then uh, Barry... Or in real life, you know, whatever DJ would recognize this person's voice and say, hey, you know, oh, hi, Lindsay, uh, good to hear from you again. And then would just, you know, abuse them on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Then you get a, So a lot of the people who call into Barry's show are, like, uh, clearly very troubled people. Yeah. Uh, and, and he just abuses him, uh, abuses these people. And, uh, you know, he, he repeatedly gets, you know, like, uh, his, his producers and his boss... Like the radio boss, uh, played by Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Um, uh, er- early Alec Baldwin here. Um, as a suit, obviously. Yeah. Like, I mean, Alec Baldwin playing Alec Baldwin. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, when did Glen Gary Glenn Ross come out? Because it's like the same character. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so like uh, you know, like his producer or his boss will just be holding up signs from the booth, being like, uh, you know, uh, like dump this person, like stop having this conversation, right. and like Barry, Barry can't do it. And he just like you know abuses these people or entertains their like, uh, you know, uh, their like um, you know on air suicides or like uh, shit like that, right? Oh, God, yeah. And his producer played by uh, the grumpy doctor from Scrubs. Yeah, again, star cast. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John uh, John McKin John McGinley. Yeah, John McGinley. Yeah, uh, young John McGinley in this one uh, doesn't appear to have aged a day. No, he fucking has. It's incredible. He looks exactly he looks the same. Exactly the same. And this came out in like 1988. 
Yeah, I mean, he was just born at, like, 35. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, his producer, uh, just, you know, being like, you, you gotta, you gotta dump this person and, uh, and, and all this kind of thing. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, uh, Barry is, is kind of a, he's an abusive, like, proto-shock jock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think the, the plot is really interesting, uh, because he is like a local radio shock jock. It's yeah, it's Dallas, right? He's he's in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, Alec Baldwin is the station manager, but then this other suit shows up, um, and basically the um, the plotting plot of the movie is the suit shows up and uh, Barry is blindsided. And they tell him, hey, uh, your show is about to go nationwide syndicated. Yeah. And tomorrow night is your audition, basically. And this suit is going to be here watching you. And, uh, you know, I mean, Barry's the kind of douchebag who's, like, not going to perform for someone. Uh, And at the same time, his... There's a there's a love triangle going on where Barry is sleeping with his, produce, his producer, his producer, uh, but also has an ex-wife who, upon hearing that Barry is going to have this quote-unquote audition, Barry has her fly out uh, yeah, from Chicago from I Chicago think. to to to, uh, to be there for the big night, uh, and then everything just goes to hell. Yeah, and we, we see some flashbacks to uh, you know Barry's Barry's relationship with this woman earlier on. Like uh, she she was his producer, uh, like you know early on as in his career, um, and then they started dating and they got married, uh, and then like you know Barry is is philandering um, basically, uh, and, and their kind oh, yeah. of relationship <laughs> falls apart. Yeah, great great scene where uh, she shows up early. Uh, what's is 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 her name Ellen or Le- or Laura? Yeah, but I think one of the one of the characters is named Ellen, and also her name or the actress's name is Ellen. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, so Ellen okay. Ellen is his ex wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, there there's a scene where Barry and uh, the grumpy doctor from Scrubs are just like banging prostitutes and doing coke. Uh, yeah, normal radio stuff. Normal radio stuff uh in in someone's house and then ellen who is supposed to be visiting her sick mother shows up early and um and and catches catches uh (laughs) catches barry in the act catches barry in the act and uh she takes off and that's the beginning of the end of their relationship um and then uh yeah i mean just inexplicably i did have a problem with, with 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 this part of the story is like i don't understand why she would Say yeah, okay, whatever. I'm st- I'm in a new relationship, but I'm gonna fly back out to Dallas and be there for your nationwide radio premiere uh, after you like cheated on me and ruined my life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a scene with them shitty. where they're like, there's a scene with them where they're like in a park, uh, and they they appear to have like buried the hatchet. Yeah, and he like tries to kiss her, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you doing, Barry? Get it together. Um, but yeah, like Barry is, uh, you know, so he's, he's got like, uh, he's got like, he, he's clearly like hated, uh, as well. Right. So like, I think, um, you know, this, this movie is set in Dallas, uh, in the, in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and, and Dallas Fort Worth is, um, 
I don't know if you've ever been to Texas. I have uh, not, no. Uh, but, like, Texas is not uh, as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Right. <laughs> uh, but the Dallas-Fort Worth area is. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, like, a deeply right-wing uh, community. Um, and so I imagine that Dallas in the 80s uh, is, is, like, everywhere else in the 50s. Uh, and so, you right. know, the, the kind of the Jewish radio host, uh, who is like, you know, uh, going on screens about like how all drugs should be legal. And, uh, you know, like, uh, he's, he's like slightly political and, uh, you know, he's espousing some like left wing politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he gets a lot of hate, um, from his listeners. Uh, and so the kind of, uh, subplot that's happening, um, alongside his, like, uh, nationwide syndication. Yeah, um, I would in, say, like, um, the, uh, the inciting incident in this story. Yeah. yeah, is, is that he's got a caller, uh, who keeps calling in, who's clearly, like, some sort of, you know, Nazi-affiliated, clan-affiliated, uh, something, right? Like, some hate group-affiliated guy. And we have Chet from Mesquite on the line. Hello, Chet. Hello? You think you're so smart. Hello? Why are you always talking about it? Drugs and and niggers and, and 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 homos and Jews. Isn't there anything else to talk about? You know what I hate, Chad. I hate people who call me up and tell me what they don't want to talk about. You don't want to talk about blacks and gays. Then why do you bring them up in the first place, huh? Sounds to me like you like talking about them. If you don't want to talk about them, then tell me what you want to talk about or get off the phone. So why don't you start telling the truth, Barry? About what? You know, people behind your show, the people who pay the bills. Talking about the sponsors now. Don't you act dumb with me. What kind of a name is Chad? So I want you to cancel my plane reservations for tonight. Uh, I'm gonna come in tomorrow. And, uh, call Freddy. Uh, he uh, he actually has a name. It's it's it, it, I don't think it's mentioned in the it, movie. Is it is it Chet? Uh, that's one of his names. So it's yeah. Chet slash Rockets Red Glare. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, like so, you know, this 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 racist keeps calling in and telling him, you know, like uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna get what's coming to you. Um, he sends him a package to the station that has like a dead rat in it. God. Um, and like says says that there's a bomb in it and like all that kind of thing. That um, scene is so tense. I mean, it's, yeah, because the, the 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 box is put there like on the on the table like with the rest of his mail. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and they then, they bring it into him while he's on air. And it's uh it's it's like a box wrapped in paper and then wrapped in twine. Yeah. And he pres- looks looks like a bomb. It looks exactly like a bomb. And and uh, you know, Chet slash Rockets Red Glare said it was a bomb. And he proceeds to open it like while he's on air taking another call. And yeah, yeah it's it's a dead rat. And it's one of the most horrifying like images I have ever seen is when he like holds the rat up by its tail, yeah, and everyone uh, in the um, in the producer's booth just like sees it, and I'm like, yeah, boy, uh, this movie, <laughs> it, yeah, and this this movie this movie really moves too, does um, yeah. Uh, like it, it was, it was, uh, I think it's, it's just under two hours, maybe like an hour 58 or 57 or something like that. Um, and, uh, it, it really goes and there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like really active camera work in it. Mm-hmm. Um, like for, for a movie that is, is set in, you know, in more or less one room. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, it like, you know, the camera moves all over the place. There's a lot of like, uh, kind of, you know, circular, uh, like tracking moves, dolly moves, uh, around, uh, Barry while he's on air uh, Barry gets up and moves around a lot. You know, he walks around uh, the studio. He's not just yeah. like, sitting there at his desk. I, and... I I love that studio set. 
it's 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 uh, you know it's like it's it's spherical and it, it it allows him to get up and move around in a circle and have the camera follow him around like yeah. that. It's yeah, I mean, a really you know, gorgeous like, and well put together set. I, I don't know who the the DP on this is, but like, uh, but um, uh, I all, this is like Oliver Stone at the peak of his powers, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, this is '88. Uh, you know, the Oliver Stone hit list. Uh, Oliver Stone wrote Scarface '83. Um, he wrote and directed Platoon '86. Mm-hmm. He wrote and directed Wall Street '87. Uh, he made this in 88. He made Born on the Fourth of July in 89. Oh, wow. He made JFK in 91. Uh, like, like this is, like, Oliver Stone, just, like, banger after banger uh, in this time period. And uh, this is the one that I had never seen out of that set. Yeah, um, I didn't even remember this was an Oliver Stone film until I yeah. Yeah, looked it up. Yeah. But uh, but this is, this is, like, Oliver Stone at the peak of his powers, right? Like, uh, being, being, like, one of these, uh, one of these, like, uh, you know, at the time, Oliver Stone, extremely liberal director. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's not he's not quite. Uh, you know, he's not he's not like a, a leftist as I would consider them now. But like at no, the time, yeah. he 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 was making movies that like people in Hollywood were like, don't do that, right? Um, <laughs> Stop it, Oliver. You, you, yeah, you, you can't you can't make Platoon. Uh, you can't make a movie about how bad the Vietnam War was. <laughs> Born on the Fourth of July. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and so you know, like this is Oliver Stone, like at his, you know, Oliver Stone at the time, a little bit of a shock jock of a director, right? Sure. Like, uh, yeah. He was he was making movies about uncomfortable subjects and uh, and making the protagonists of those movies bad people. Yeah, and um, I, I, I can I, I can see him identifying with the protagonist in this film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I think the movie, uh, looks really good. You know, he does, uh, Oliver Stone did a lot with the fact that the movie is basically a stage play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like it's, 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 it's much better for his kind of direction here. Um, I think, I think a lesser director would have, would have shot this, uh, pretty, pretty conservatively. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, just, you know, like, uh, to, to kind of finish out what goes on with the plot here. Um, uh, so we get kind of like. Barry's, uh, Barry's, uh, you know, we get his, his last broadcast, um, uh, where he's supposed to be auditioning for syndication. Yeah. And he, um, um, and, uh, and he, he kind of pulls out all the stops. Right. And so he invites on this kid who keeps calling in. Yeah. Uh, who looks who like I had, Axel I had Rose? to keep, I, 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 I said Steven Tyler. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 I can see that. I, like I was looking at him for a minute, and I was like, "Is that actually Steven Tyler?" <laughs> I yeah, I looked that actor up earlier today. I can't find him now, but yeah, um, like that 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 kid had a great radio voice when he was just a voice on the radio, and then when he finally shows up, when they they invite him, who he's like, what would you say, like a, maybe an eighteen nineteen year old like stoner. Yeah, like a total burnout, right? Burnout. Like, um, that that he's for, he's wearing like a bunch of bandanas, long hair, leather like, jacket. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like pro- prototypical nineteen eighties like burnout kid. Yeah. Like I mean, he could have been in like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Absolutely, fucking lutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Barry, in I, I don't know a moment of frustration or just like not giving a shit, says, "Hey, come down to the station." And you can be my guest. Yeah. And, uh, oh, boy. That's a magical scene. 
Yeah, and, and so this kid comes on, and he's just, like, a total fucking train wreck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's all this tension, right? Because people have been threatening Barry's life and saying, like, I know where you live, I know what you look like, like, all this kind of thing, right? Um, and so it's it's tense because it's like, you know, you've got this, this you know, Barry Champlain super fan. Yeah. Um, who, you know, is, is in the booth alone with Barry. Um, and, like, and it's, it's definitely on drugs or something. Definitely on drugs, super unhinged, uh, just like, you know, screaming into the microphone at random, yeah. like all this kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking, I was like, because it's the first time I'd seen this, uh, and so I was watching it and I was like, okay, well, two things are going to happen here. Either, <laughs> either this guy's going to kill Barry uh, or um, on air. Yeah. Uh, or uh, this is a, this is a, um, this is a moment like earlier in the movie. So uh, earlier in the movie, we see young Barry because uh, he, he's 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 invited on as like a co-host mm-hmm. to this other this other radio host, right? Uh, and the other radio host is he's an older guy, and uh, you know, so Barry starts doing like a bit about uh, about how him and and the the other host are like they're because someone calls in and is like, oh, you guys are a bunch of homos or something. Um, and the 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 older radio host is like, yeah, let's just hang up on this guy. Uh, and move on and Barry instead is like no no let's you know we are homos like I'm holding his hand right now yeah he takes um, over the show yeah he takes over the show and, and and is like you know more shocking than the other uh the other DJ right yeah um and so I was like okay well maybe this is just the mirror of that right where like this crazy fucking kid comes on uh and Barry is like visibly annoyed um and uh and you know is it like oh this this kid is is gonna take barry's job like while he's auditioning for syndication oh sure okay i can see that yeah um uh the, the but, first time i watched it when when i saw that kid because that, that that kid is like morning zoo type stuff oh, right for sure yeah yeah he would have been like um he would have been like an mtv vj in the 90s yeah or like <laughs> we, we we were we were talking a few a few weeks ago about marconi um yeah about Marconi's show, right? And like, this is the kind of guest that like Mark or recurring character—not the historical Marconi. Marconi, but yeah, not 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 the man who invented the radio, <laughs> um, but the man who had a, a, a had a radio a, a radio show. show in Portland for a good few years <laughs> until he made some mistakes. Uh, yeah. But like this, this is the kind of person that would be like a regular like Marconi or Howard Stern. Yeah, guest, would call right? in like the early hours of the morning. Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, the first time I watched this movie, I remember this, uh, when um, that character, I think his name is Sid. Um, uh, but when they bring him into the studio, I was like, holy shit, this is the guy that's been calling in, threatening him. Uh, and he's just been, like, changing his voice or whatever. And no, it turned out that, no, this is just, like, a dumbass teenager. <laughs> Vince? Oh, it might be Vince. Uh, well, they got all these voice casts. Yeah, there's just all these voice characters, right, from all the people who are calling into the radio station. But yeah, I, I was, I was like, yeah, this this kid is gonna kill him. And then at the end of that scene, right, the kid pulls a camera out, like he he goes into his jacket, yeah, and does like a flash, flash, flash thing. Yeah, and and so it looks like he's gonna pull a gun or something, right? Right. Um, but uh, but that is not what happens. Uh, what he takes a couple pictures of him, and they kind of shuttle him out of the studio. Yeah. Uh, what what does happen is um, after uh, after uh, Barry's broadcast after his uh, his audition broad- broadcast uh, he goes out to the parking structure to get his car 
Um, and as has happened several times in the movie, someone stops him for an autograph. Um, and it's this, like, you know, fucked up looking uh, older guy. Um, stops him for an autograph uh, and then uh, and then pulls pulls a gun out and shoots him like four or five times. Yeah. Uh, and then Barry just kind of like dies next to his car. Um, and uh, and then the movie is taken out with like uh, some voiceover from like people calling in, presumably to the radio station. Um, and uh, I think probably Stu, who's played by uh, John McGinley, Grumpy Doctor, mm-hmm. uh, is is the person who's taking the calls. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so he does get killed at the end of the movie um, uh, by a uh, by one of these neo-Nazi guys um, who has been kind of threatening him the whole time. Yeah, he has. I mean, that this Nazi guy. I think he plays a couple different callers, uh, but he uh, like he has a presence throughout the entire movie as these threatening callers and and you know the the dude who uh sends the uh the dead rat and all this stuff um but yeah when when there there's a scene where um Barry goes to a basketball game with uh his fiance ex-fiance and i believe there's a dude there that stops him for like an autograph and uh, that's the same guy that shows up in the parking yeah. lot when he when he when he uh, he leaves at the end of the movie. Yeah, so so you do you kind of get some foreshadowing there, um, but yeah, yeah, that that uh, it's just brutal that last scene. Yeah, I mean it's you know a classic Oliver Stone fashion. He he like really overdoes it on uh, on on how many different ways he shows you uh, uh, yeah. Barry getting shot. Right, <laughs> like oh yeah yeah. From like every different angle, yeah. But uh, but Barry gets killed, um, and I, I think uh, so. The last call he takes uh, before his uh, before his show ends, um, someone someone calls him and basically says like, "Hey, uh, I live here in the Dallas area. Um, you know, if you just if you just want to come over, like I've I've got some food and some beers, and we can just like hang out um, and and uh, and you know just like chill." Uh, and uh, it, it it clearly like really hits home for Barry because I think one of the the kind of underlying themes here is that Barry is like a deeply lonely person, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the only the only way he can kind of uh, he can kind of deal with his loneliness is to do this show where he just like talks to other disturbed people all day, right? Right. Um, and and so like his last call, uh, whether or not it, I, I I it's I think it's it's implied a little bit to be a fantasy. Uh, because uh, Stu, his producer, um, uh, kind of chimes in a few times to say, like, hey, man, uh, this is dead air. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's just kind of like uh, Barry sitting there listening to someone, like, offering him, uh, like, friendship, and basically. And comfort, yeah. Yeah, uh, and and he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't take it, uh, and, and then he, he kind of goes upstairs or goes out to the parking structure to get his car and then gets uh, gets killed. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, that's kind of like the, you know, one of the underlying themes here is that like, you know, Barry is, is so lonely that, you know, he, he can only feel normal when he's, uh, when he's kind of in the booth and has all of these people to talk to all night. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, he, he is, uh, while a lot of the people who call into the show are like obviously deeply disturbed people, um, he is not much different than any of them are. No. Um, yeah. 
and and he's uh, which which I think is probably true of a lot of these kind of like uh, like shock jock uh, disc jockeys, right? I think yeah, I think so. I, I um, like I wouldn't call Howard Stern a stable person. No, and I think he's probably uh, he's he's grown a lot in the last yeah. couple decades. But yeah, I think it takes a certain type of person to do that job, especially you know the quote unquote shock jock where your job kind of is to abuse people. Yeah. Um, and the, the people, the people who are calling in are calling in because they're also like fucking very lonely and just yeah. like want someone to talk to them, even if it's abusive. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, you're, uh, you're up two or three o'clock in the morning. Uh, there's nothing on TV. Uh, you turn on your radio because I don't know, you're a boomer or you're, you're just, you were a weird teenager. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, and and this, but there are live voices coming out of that radio. There are there there are yeah, they're, and they're un, they're unrehearsed. Yeah, uh, they, you know, they're and, and you know, with the magic of the internet these days, uh, you can you can find those voices uh, from anywhere in the country. Uh, yeah. So and I mean, you know, big 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 shout out to Eric Bogosian uh, in this movie. Oh, like God, I, I yeah. think he doesn't he does an incredible. I mean, he wrote the movie uh, or he wrote the, the play. Yeah, starred in the play, right? So like he he knows this inside and out. But like uh, he he does just an incredible job in this movie. Um, He's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like this is this is this is a really great performance that I'm guessing like very few people have seen. Yeah, um, I, I looked at the 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 box office on this um this movie was made for four million dollars mm-hmm. uh and did not make its four million dollar budget oh holy uh, right. shit so, like, really this, yeah th- that's the reason you found this in the cult classic section is like this is this is an unsuccessful movie Aww. um and and i i think that's that's unfair because uh, uh bergogian's performance is is really fucking good um you know, not not to say anything of any of the other characters, but uh, you know, it's he he does a he does a just incredible job in this movie yeah. um, at, uh, at at portraying that kind of like um, uh, the 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 duality of the shock jock, <laughs> right, right, where it's like, oh yeah, Howard Stern is a gigantic fucking asshole, but he's also a person, right, um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know this. Uh, I don't know. I have much else to say about this movie, but this this is a great fucking movie. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I would recommend anyone watch it. Absolutely, it's it's. it's I, I, yeah, after I finished watching this, I recommended it to Chris, and I was like, "Yeah, this is big podcast energy, bud." Like, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> anyone who does a podcast should 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 watch this movie. But uh, yeah, just just as like a huge uh, talk radio fan, I, I I loved this movie uh, from years back, and. Um, you know, I, I, the industry is still kind of like this. You still have guys like this around, um, yeah. doing this stuff overnight or during the day in the morning. Like you can turn on any AM radio station um, at any hour of the day, really, and find some asshole talking. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's. it's um, I think until all that is abolished. <laughs> Yeah, this until, movie... until they until they take the radio away. <laughs> yeah, until they take our radio away, uh, this this movie will still be relevant. But yeah, it's um, it's beautifully shot for a movie that takes place in maybe two to four different locations. Yeah, it, and sim- similar to similar to fucking network like we talked about. Yeah. Like this is big Aaron Sorkin energy for right? sure. Like, uh, yes. Just nonstop talking in like a closed set. Yeah. 
yeah yeah um and uh but i i think this this looks this this looks a lot better than stuff like the west wing right like uh Mm -hmm. where it's just like you know two people walking down a fucking hallway and talking to each other i think oliver stone does some does some good stuff uh even that he's in such a small set yeah absolutely and uh yeah i mean like i said earlier though that uh that studio set with the uh, the, 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 the 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 kind of 360 degree um, uh, board there that uh, just lets him walk around, I think yeah, I think that's great. that's such an impressively put together set and and uh, it allowed for such gorgeous cinematography following him around that room. Yeah, a lot of really good close ups in this. Yeah, um, a lot of sweat. a lot of really good close ups. A lot of sweat, yeah, yeah. Eric Bergosian, very sweaty in this sweaty movie. Sweaty guy, yeah. Um, uh, big podcaster energy. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's got that he's got that lighter, which is just like a microphone. Oh God! All oh, the smoking in this movie. Oh <laughs> Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Shoutouts to a better time. I know. Uh, John McKinley <laughs> just perpetually has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and is just talking out yeah. of the other side of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Someday, when I'm sheriff, uh, when I'm sheriff, we'll go back to that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, it just like really, really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, and I mean, I I enjoyed watching this because like I'm 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 old enough to remember radio. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, like like Brad Pitt said, how could you not be romantic about radio? How could you not? Yeah. So you know, uh, great fucking movie. Uh, anyway, uh, any any last thoughts on um, uh, talk radio? Uh, no, I think that's it. I uh, just it, it is. Oh God, I always have trouble with this, but I think this is in my top ten films. Um, I just, I I'm never bored. With, uh, yeah, up there with horror two. Up there with horror uh, two and uh, <laughs> blood sucking freaks. Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Uh, no, <laughs> but no. I I do think seriously this is one of my top ten films. Um, I think it's just such a tight well put together and well made package with a, just an extremely good cast and, and a really well put together script yeah uh, and I, I think probably has flown under a lot of people's radar um, yeah really good one uh, VHS classic I guarantee it for sure uh, but uh, anyway uh, I guess let's uh, let's take us out here uh, so uh, this has been uh, the Columbia River Film School podcast um, just uh, just two just two bros up here in the Northwest uh, doing doing double features hell yeah um, and uh, yeah uh, we, we hope you enjoyed hearing about uh, the, the the beauties of, of broadcast days gone by yeah um, you know so hopefully someday we'll get back to that uh, after after the internet has been banned. Um, and, uh, we can all go back to listening to the radio, um, and listening to, you know, far right extremists, uh, deliver death threats to, uh, you know, local, local news personalities. Yeah. Well, we'll give it until, you know, after the nuclear winter and then we should be there. Actually, that's a good point. Both of the main characters in these two movies get killed by like political extremists. Yeah, they sure do. (laughs) (laughs) These movies line up very well together. Yeah. Very good. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, I mean, one of them just doesn't have Faye Dunaway is, is really the difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well. Yeah, this is this is exactly the same as Network. It just doesn't have Faye Dunaway. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is the Columbia River Film School podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next time. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.
生。